Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. Amen. So last week, Cope preached to y'all on the core value of walk, to live together in truth and love. And, and he did a great job coming from Peter, describing for us, um, helping us to understand that inside of this covenant family, there better be a passion to maintain our bonds of unity and peace here. Amen, somebody. You could do that in the rest of America when you disagree with somebody. But when you take vows to be a part of this covenant family, and we get to that last question, that do you promise to preserve the peace and the unity of this church, which is not, uh, uh, it is not particular to actually this congregation, but I think it's actually exclusive to the whole body of Christ, that once you claim to have been redeemed and bought and purchased and adopted by the risen Christ, then you actually have taken a vow too to preserve the unity of that body. And so Cope did a great job unpacking that for us, why we walk together in truth and love. Today I'm going to preach to you um, about the core value of work. Um, We started, we preached Ephesians 2.10 a couple weeks ago. Uh, You were created by a creative God to... Okay then, yeah, right? Um, We we, we took one of the sub-points of that and we unpacked it, unpacked that, that we want to work to cultivate beauty. Um, We also want to work to equip the saints. We think that's a part of our core function um, as a church, to equip you, to present you back to God or to your next church better than when we found you. Um, But today I want to zero in on serving the city. Now, I want to tell you something about, first of all, most of y'all in here are already amazing and dynamic servers. And so can I just, can you just praise God for your brothers and sisters? Many of you... Many of you have already given your your vocational careers to this idea. Uh, Many of you, um, you came to the, we didn't actually bring that out of you. You brought it out in us, right? You were committed uh, to pushing back uh, darkness and brokenness in the city. And so we just want to thank God for that. I also just want to shout you out, Avenue Community Church. As a church, do you know you give thousands of dollars to community events and outreach? Praise God. Can we praise God for that? That's what you do. I also, I don't know if our mercy team is here, but I just want to shout them out. If they are, would you stand, please? Uh, Margot Alamon, Jeremy Ireland, Sarah Gilmore, if she's here, Tammy McCune. It's a, it's a quartet of people. Did you also know, Avenue, that you give thousands of dollars a year for crisis management? When people call us, we need hotels, we need beds, we need foods, we need emergency assistance, life getting cut off, we need medicine. You respond. There aren't many people who access that hotline who we don't meet in kind. Can you praise God for that Amen Avenue Community Church? It's because of God's faithfulness and it's because of your generosity. I'm so excited to participate in that. So I want to, I'm not so much concerned today about... um, trying to stir up a spirit of servanthood um, in our church because we do that. I don't think I have to do a a big job convincing you that you ought to give your lives um, serving for other people. What I want to do in the next couple of minutes is just hopefully frame us up, make sure we're doing it for the right reasons. 
right? I want to make sure we're doing it for the right reasons. I love this passage, Psalms 24. It actually was the, uh, the verse at my previous church that I worked for, right, that we want to serve God with clean hands and a pure heart. And, you know, there's a temptation to just think that verse is just cute Jesus jargon, you know what I'm saying, just clean hands and pure heart, you know what I'm saying. That goes with everything. But I do, inside of it, there is some real theological richness um, that I want to um, revisit just to make sure that we are doing things Uh, with the right heart and with the right mindset, right? So the psalmist in verse 3 kind of starts off with who gets to go essentially to God's special and holy place, right? The place where God is found. And essentially the answer is those with clean hands and a pure heart. In Psalms 24, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, when they're talking about clean hands, they're not asking you, did you put sanitizer on? I see we ain't got no laughs in the house today. That's all right. Either y'all ain't in the mood for laughter or you're nasty and you need to go get some hand sanitizer right now. Somebody pull up in your pocketbook and squeeze a little bit on somebody. But when the Bible is asking, do you have clean hands, they're not asking whether or not your hands are sanitized. But what the inference is, are these hands pure? Have they acted innocently towards other people is what the Bible is trying to get at, right? Who can get to go to God's holy place? Those people whose hands have acted innocently towards other people. Then it goes on to say, hey, those people with pure hearts. And it kind of carries with a a little bit of uh, kind of the idea of innocence, those with pure motives. But I think it also, if you scoot down a couple verses in 24, you'll see things. Um, First of all, in verse 4, it says, hey, um, who those people who do not trust in idols, those people who do not trust in false gods. In verse 6, though you're not there, I'll just tell you, it it goes on to say that um, basically people who seek God's face. So what you have here is, is what I would like to call some kind of internal and external kind of demonstration and devotion that that qualifies you or at least validates you that you are inside of God's holy family covenant people, that you both have a inner devotion, a pure heart, motives, and a mind and a heart that seeks God, and you also have that coupled with clean hands. They both got to work together. Everybody say clean hands. And pure hearts, right? This is what God desires. He desires people with outward actions that demonstrate his justice and righteousness. And he desires inward devotion and fealty together, inextricably linked forever. Jesus takes us on a little bit of this journey, right? In Matthew 5, D.A. Carson says, as Jesus is kind of unpacking um, this whole idea about Adherence to, the, uh, in, uh, adherence to the law versus some kind of inner law inside of you, right? Hey, who's worse? Somebody who actually murders somebody? Well, Jesus says, hey, hey, actually people who got angry hearts just as guilty. Everybody's like, wait, what? Because Jesus doesn't just care about the outward actions. He also cares about something that's going on inside. And so we got to marry these two concepts together. So today I want to frame up the Avenues Initiative to Serve based on two concepts. That we want to serve because we believe that God made a just world to be inhabited by just people. The first thing, he made a just world and he wanted it to be inhabited by just people. And we serve because he is worthy of worship. Amen, somebody? 
Is he worthy? Yeah. I love it. I'm right on my tab right there. So let's start first by just understanding, at least from my point of view, what service is and what it means. It just means to perform or to serve duties. It just means to be of use. It just means to be someone who helps. And I just add the caveat that when we serve, we want to be of help. We want to be of service to people who have been affected by the fall. Who's been affected by the fall? Everyone. Everybody say, everybody. You can even say, yeah, that's good. I like that. A little St. Louis in there. I like that. Keep that. Keep that, right? That's everybody, right? Creation's groaning, right, for, for the Son of God to be revealed, right? And we understand that, listen, we don't want to, you know, make a false equivalency. We know that everybody's suffering the effects of the falls in different ways and to varying degrees. But we're all suffering the effects of not being with the one who made us because sin has destroyed and tarnish some of what God designed. We understand that some image bearers are suffering sovereignly. So if you've been at the Ave, you know, this is Pastor Tim's framing up of suffering in three ways. That you, some people are suffering sovereignly, some people are suffering missionally, and some, some people are suffering consequentially, right? So essentially, hey, some people are just suffering sovereignly. We don't know why mama got cancer. She can get out right now and run 10 miles. She can throw a football and dunk on you and say, yeah, I did that. And we don't know why somebody's sick in their body or certain things are happening. Sometimes those are just happening. It's outside of us. We know that as believers, sometimes when we put our hands to the plow to make the expansion of the kingdom of God our mission and our purpose, we know we have an ancient foe who seeks to work us woe. That just because we say we want to love Jesus and spread his gospel, we actually better anticipate opposition. Can I get a witness somebody? So we know when we decide to live on mission for Jesus, we expect sometimes for suffering to happen because we know the devil is not happy about that. Amen. Somebody. So we know we suffer missionally. But then sometimes we suffer consequentially. Everybody say consequences and repercussions. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? It just means that sometimes we're suffering because of our own sin and iniquity. Why your money funny? You was a bad steward. Why you got a big old knot on the back of your head? Because you got a little too drunk on Bill Street. Embarrassed yourself. Sometimes we suffer because it was our own sin and iniquity. But let me add another caveat. Sometimes we understand that other people are suffering because of someone else's brokenness and iniquity. That's a result of the fall. And so when we seek to serve people, what we are trying to do is we are trying to alleviate some of the suffering that happens on this side of heaven, whether it's because of our iniquity or someone else's greed, someone else's whatever, we're trying to alleviate some of that suffering. And that's why the avenue wants to serve, because our God has made a just world and he wants it to be inhabited by just people. So we need to serve to combat the injustice that has perverted God's beautiful design for his world. That's why we serve. Justice is not new. It's not something that, honestly, uh, man is getting better at or will get better at. It originated in the mind of God. Can I get an amen, somebody? Justice is not coming from your favorite political candidate 
or your favorite philosopher might say something cool about justice that you want to take and tweet, but God himself is the author of justice. One commentary says this, that God created the world in justice and expects that his creatures will deal fairly and justly with one another as a result. But we know sin brings injustice into the world by disrupting the justice established by God at creation. And even as a result of bringing injustice into the world, human justice often falls short of God's standards because of the fall. God created a world in which we would live and flourish in it as we treated each other fairly and with equity. That's what he wanted for all his image bearers. He hates partiality. Proverbs 18 and 5. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. He wanted a fair world where all of his image bearers were treated with their inherent dignity, value, and worth. Romans 2 goes even to say that even as God created this world and he intended for it to be just, inhabited by just people, he says this, Romans 2.14, that when Gentiles do not have the law by nature, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse even them. You know what this is saying? You know, those of you who follow apologetics and, you know, there's always those moments where they start getting into, well, where does morality even come from? And you know what? Who gives the right to who to say what's good? And did man evolve to know that I shouldn't treat somebody badly? We see here in Scripture that that has been a common grace given by God, written on the consciences of men, that somehow they know not to take what is not theirs. That inside of us, somehow, we try to suppress it. But when I reach over into your pocketbook, and I know I didn't bring that purse in here, and I take me old 20, I know that's wrong. Romans 2 says you don't even need special revelation to understand that. Now, I just want to make an important announcement to you as we're talking about the law. When we talk about the biblical law, we are not talking about the Constitution. I know y'all was big happy on the 4th of July. And you were marching, you had your red, white, and blue, you threw your stars and stripes, y'all were popping firecrackers until 1 in the morning. With your America loving self, and I love America too, but I just want to make sure you understand when God is talking about the law, he's not talking about the Constitution. Amen, somebody. So when we start talking about oppression and things like that, which we'll get to a little later, you're being oppressed when you have been denied the privilege God has laid out in Scripture to all image bearers. And it's important for you to realize. When we speak about rights, we're not referring to the preamble. We're not talking about life, liberty, and the pursuit of justice. That, that is nice. That's great. I pray we live in a country that ever lives up to those ideals. Amen. But that's not what the Bible's talking about. When it talks about rights, it's talking about that which has been promised in the Holy Writ to image bearers. Right? 
when we start talking about doing justice, we are not talking about fighting for all of you to have autonomy and do whatever you want to do. We want to fight for equity that is based on the Holy Scripture. We want to find ourselves um, anywhere serving, alleviating suffering that's happening because somehow, someway, somebody is limiting your ability to have or to be what the Bible says you can be. That's where justice kind of begins and ends for us. So, we got to realize as we start framing up justice that sometimes there, are, there will be times where our state law, federal law lines up with biblical principles. But that doesn't always happen. Amen, somebody. Okay, let me just read for you. First Timothy 1 and 8. Now we know that the law is good. If one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and the profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Do y'all hear that some of these things on this list man might be totally cool with, but the law of God is not. They are not one in the same. Our citizenship ultimately is from another place, I guess is what I'm saying. So when we begin to have talks about morality and justice, we got to start first with this. All right, maybe I'm killing it. I'll move on. Move on. Martin Mansus just says this, that divine justice embraces every aspect of the right ordering of human society according to the will of God, its creator. Justice for us is when things are happening according to the way God designed it because he is the creator. Let's move on. God is about justice, and we serve because God created a just world that's meant to be inhabited by just people. And God shows his concern for human justice, first of all, by commanding it. Listen to this, Isaiah 56 and 1, thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. Micah 6, 8, y'all know that. You've heard it over and over. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. God demonstrates his concern for justice, human justice, by condemning when people neglect justice. Malachi 3.5, then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely and those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord shows a concern for a just world by commending those who practice it. Psalms 106 and 3, blessed are they who observe justice, do righteousness at all times. God demands justice in every sphere of human life because he created a just world that is meant to be inhabited by just people. So he creates justice in relationships with the family. Go read Ephesians 5, the whole chapter. Husbands, wives, not provoking your children. Do you realize even your children have rights? I'm speaking to the black parents in here because I know y'all white folks, y'all, y'all been treating y'all kids like y'all friends since they came out the womb. Hey, little Johnny. 
I just love you. <laughs> on, the, on the black side, let that child ask for another bag of Doritos. Girl, you ain't got no money. You ain't got no rights in this car. So we working on it. Black, black, black parents, we got to do a little better. Just a little better. Just a little better. But yeah, even your children, rights, right? Justice in the build business world. Colossians 4.1, masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that all you also have a master in heaven. Leviticus 19.35, you shall do no wrong in judgment in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord desires justice in the business room. The Lord desires justice in the courts of law. Leviticus 19.15, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You know what that means, lawyers, all you lawyers in your room? You don't work for your client. You are participating in a system that glorifies God when you work for justice and equity. That gift that you have, all those years you went to law school and those things you have hanging up in your house, that wasn't to give yourself a pat on the back. That was to demonstrate that you have a heavenly father who is about justice and equity. God desires justice in every area of human life, which also means that there's injustice lying somewhere in every area of human life. Somebody's trying to take more, do more, oppress more, push somebody down. In every space. Can I get a witness? Amen. In the New Testament, Paul and the rest of the apostles, they try to encourage and admonish the people to start moving into this life of justice. Titus 2 and 12. It says we need to train people to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Peter says to his group, to having a good conscience so that you, when you are slandered, those revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Some of what's coming through in those scriptures is just this, that one of the ways that we alleviate suffering and injustice is basically either not to participate or not perpetuate an unjust system. One of the ways that we alleviate the suffering and we want to serve, we want to use our hands to serve, is we, we just don't either don't want to participate or we don't want to perpetuate an unjust society. And so if you want to have hands that are innocent, clean hands, First of all, you can't just declare, I got clean hands. That ain't how it works, buddy. Your serving needs to be deliberate, and it needs to be a lifestyle. So one of the things that we got to commit ourselves to doing, and we lean on you, we're only one group of people. It's one pastor and three elders. It's about four or five staff. We don't see everything, but we are committed to 38120 down there. We're committed to 38117. We're committed to 38122. We don't know all the places where suffering is happening. All we know is we want to help when we can, 
And we want to be creative about how we push into that. And so we need to be deliberate. We need to seek out the weak people. And we need y'all to tell us where the weak people are at and how we can be creative about alleviating some of their suffering. We need your help. But we also need you individually to commit to justice as a lifestyle. Because unjust societies are made up of unjust people. Of course, not you. I know it's not you. So I'm actually preaching so you can take this to your mama. That's, take it to your mama because I know she the one. Y'all, you can't turn this thing on and off. And we got to be careful when we start thinking about the American dream. And every day you wake up. And the only thing you're thinking about is how to make your next day more secure than the next, than the, than the one that just passed, then you better be careful because you are a prime candidate for perpetuating an unjust society. Because a society that's built on fairness and equity cannot be filled with people who only want to have what they want. That ain't how it works. It's not how it works. You can't come in here and praise God because we want to serve and we want to help people. But the only thing you think about 365 days is your comfort. It don't work like that. You don't share nothing. You take everything you own. It's either being saved or invested towards your ends. All you care about is your lot, your car, your life, your children. And you want to be a part of a justice, huh? No, y'all. No. We talk so bad about people who come into our neighborhoods and take pictures smiling with the kids. They didn't help. Here, little Johnny, get some water. But are we really any better, y'all? Maybe we've outsmarted social media a little bit, but all of us got to go home and we got to do a heart check. Are we really wanting to participate in a just world created by a just God? And are we really willing to create a society of fairness and equity at our own expense? That's different. And that's where I hope we can go. I got to close with my last point, but it's about 45 minutes worth of material. I'm just, I'm just Don't be scared. Don't be scared. I'm not going to do it to you. I'm not going to do it to you. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> we serve because this world was created by a just God who wanted it to be inhabited by just people, but we also serve because he is worthy of worship. There's so many of us who have seen the disparity in what Christianity purports and what it claims and what it's actually working out, that we've, we've kind of went to the opposite side. Instead of a, a full-on hands and heart approach, we just went to, oh, they're fake, they're hypocrites, so we're going to go all hands. We don't need the heart. We don't need the devotion. As a matter of fact, we'll take scriptures like this and we'll properly, we'll improperly exegete them. Proverbs 21 and 3 to do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So you'll run on scriptures like that. Like, yeah, the Lord don't even want all that sacrifice. Why y'all even going to church? You don't need all that. 
What you really need to do is just be out here in the community. Let me just tell you, you might be a better humanitarian than the rest of us Christians in here, but you might not be a Christian at the end of the day. I'm coming down your street. Because for us, it's both hands and heart. It's a both outward demonstration of the justice of our God, but it's also a devotion to him, right? And when we read scriptures like that, that to do what's right is more acceptable than the Lord than sacrifice, it's not that God prefers works, the things of our hands, to heart worship. It's that your lack of just works renders your worship insincere. So when you have no works, and you're ugly to people, you take everything you can, you're not participating in a just world, when you come out of church, oh, glory, oh, for your glory, hey, you know, people look at you like, what are you doing? What did you do? You know, nobody cares about your little sacraments and your theology. You're mean to people. You're unjust. This is what those scriptures are trying to guard against. It's not trying to pit one against the other. It's just saying when you don't have the works of your hands to validate a true connection with the living God, it invalidates your worship. So we serve because he is worthy of worship. God says, I want your heart and not just your hands. But if I don't have your hands, it verifies that I also don't have your heart. And when you are doing things improperly, and when you go all hands and no heart, your lack of worship reveals the source of your strength, it reveals your goal, and it reveals what you have your hope in. When you go all hands in service and no heart, no worship, that mindset reveals the source of your strength, your goal, and what you have your hope in. So here's a couple things that I don't want us to do. I don't want us to serve out of pride. We want him to get the glory. Amen, y'all? And you better remind yourself of that when you go to that nonprofit. You better remind yourself of that when you cut your check to give to that organization. Hey, I want him to get the glory. Let your light so shine so that who can be glorified in heaven? Not your ingenuity, not your hard work, not your creativity, not your grit, not your determination, not your city. Hey, the creator and the redeemer of the universe. I want him to get it all. I don't want us to serve for merit. Remember, Romans 3, 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we are justified by how much we give to the homeless shelter. And we're justified by how many gardens we plant. And we're justified for how many people we provide housing for. What's the, what's the reality? No. We are justified by his grace alone. If you are using your serving 
and your philanthropy as a badge of honor or a way to prove that you belong in God's, you, you got it all wrong, buddy. You got it all wrong. We've already been accepted into Jesus Christ by faith in him alone so we can give ourselves freely. But we're not serving to earn. Don't serve for merit. And lastly, don't serve out of your own strength. I think the people who give themselves away the most should have the most vibrant prayer lives. They should be always eating the word of God up. Because what other strength are you relying on? And teachers, after-school workers, all y'all who work with uh, uh, developing, helping people with life skills and hard job skills, you know how hard and monotonous and tireless it is for you to see one iota of change in anybody. And unless you have the Holy Spirit in you, you will quit. You're underpaid. Your, your boss don't know really what you do. They don't really appreciate all you bring to the table. And if you don't have the love and acceptance and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you'll be out of that job or you'll be soiling the work environment real soon. Who you do it for and whose strength are you doing it in? We worship him, lastly, by demonstrating the gospel through serving. When our hands are serving, we demonstrate the gospel. We worship the God who has taken enemies and made them friends. We display that to a dying world. Helping people is not the end of itself. Y'all, you do realize we would, that you got to get your timeline right. We've talked about this before. Just because this church has a core value to serve the city, we are not going to eliminate all the suffering in this city or the world ever, nope, won't happen. Sorry to bust your bubble. But our God will. So the timeline can't be the impetus for why we serve because we know that, that he will only eliminate the suffering when he brings in and usher in the new heavens and the new earth. But that doesn't make us less um, desirous to serve because one of the reasons why we want to serve those who are suffering from the effects of the fall is to demonstrate the glorious gospel of Jesus. We want to demonstrate to the widow that there's someone who took up our cause and he married himself to us and he's waiting on us to be presented to him like a bridegroom waiting on his bride. We want to demonstrate to a dying world, to the fatherless, to the orphan, that there is a God who is willing to adopt us as his own. We want to demonstrate to a dying world, to the sojourner, the immigrant, when they're coming over, we want to be partial to them because we know they're actually just recapitulating our story because once we were afar off and now we've been brought in. And we know there are all kind of nuances about the economy and immigration, but we always got a soft spot for it because we know that's, but that's really us, though. We want to demonstrate to a dying world <laughs> that there's a God 
who is perfect in every way, who became poor so we could become rich. If you actually believe that, how would that change the way you saw those who are destitute and those who are poor? You know, Maurice got his shop right up there on National, and he got broken into, and I called him just the day after. I was just checking on him. I was like, man, how you doing? I'm sorry. I hate that happen. Don't you hate when people really have Jesus in them? Just make your lack of Jesus look so big. I was trying to console him. He ended up encouraging me. He's like, hey, brother, you know what? It's all good. Everybody healthy. We alive. They took a couple iPads, a couple things like that. It's all good. He said, you know what, Tim, though? I've been sharing the gospel all day, all night. When people ask me why I put my shop where I put it, when people ask me why I'm not angry, when people ask me why I invite a certain clientele into this, I, I get to say, because of Jesus. That's why we serve. That's why we give of ourselves to demonstrate the majesty of this grand story that has happened to all of us who have fallen so far short, y'all. We had a debt we could not pay. We had a country that was not our own. We were trying to get into. Jesus himself became our bridge. When we can have outward actions, and when we can have the right verticality in heart, I think we could serve with more joy, but I think we can make the impact that we're really trying to make in the long term. Let's be a church with clean hands and a pure heart. Can we pray?